Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're having a wonderful day as much as I am currently right now. You know, it was a pretty slow when looking at the news this morning to figure out what we we're going to be talking about. Was able to find some articles, but it just seems like there's not a whole lot of reporting on Wall Street currently going on right now. A lot of the stuff that they're talking about doesn't really seem to be that important. But like I've said, what we found here today will be able to give us a better understanding of where the economy might be going a little bit. And it worries me a little bit on some areas of the economy based off the news articles that we're going to be talking about today. First thing we're going to talk about is, talking about is how falling gas prices are raising hopes about that inflation is slowing according to the New York Fed survey on a, re, on a recent report that they did. Then this is where the news gets a little bit worrisome. Okay. We had talked about this in the past about the potential strike that was going to happen in the railroad industry. And it says large railroad labor unions say they will strike if quality of life is not addressed in the new contract and what that could potentially mean for us in the United States with when it comes to the supply chains in the com- coming weeks, coming months, potentially too. Google is making news as well. They spent out a secret high speed telecom project called Alaria and they and they keep stake in its, in its startup. Finally, there's some news from Goldman Sachs from both the Apple card sector and potential layoffs that Goldman Sachs is going to be facing for the rest of this year. With that being said, as I have to remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes and entertainment for those who wish to listen. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any fin- financial decisions as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. This is for entertainment purposes. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Falling gas prices are raising hopes that inflation is slowing, New York Fed survey shows. okay. Lower gas prices are raising optimism that inflation is on the decline, according to a survey Monday from the New York Federal Reserve. Respondents to the Central Bank August survey of consumer expectations indicated that they expect the annual inflation rate to be at 5.7% a year from now. That's a decline of 6.2% in July and the lowest level since October of 2021. Three-year inflation expectations dropped to a 2.8% in August and 3.2% the previous month. That was tied for the lowest level for the measure since November of 2020. The lowered outlook came amid a Uh, tumble in gas line prices and more than $5 a gallon earlier in the the summer. A a nominal record high. The current national average is about $3.71 a gallon, still well above the price from a year ago, but about 26 cents declined from the same point in August, according to AAA. Along those lines, consumers now expect gas prices to be a little changed a year from now, according to the Fed survey. Food prices are Food prices are expected to continue to climb, but the 5.8% anticipated increase a year from now is 0.8 percentage points lower than it was in July. Rents are projected to increase 9.6%, but that is a 0.3 percentage point drop from July survey. Those numbers come as the Fed is using a series of aggressive interest rate hikes to battle inflation that is still running close to more than a 40-year high. 
The central bank is widely expected to approve a third consecutive 0.75 percentage point increase when it meets again next week. And last thing we'll talk about before we talk a little bit about this is the rising cost of living. While consumers expect inflation pressures to ease somewhat, they still think that the cost of living will escalate. Medium expectations for household spending over the next year rose 1 percentage point to 7.8% in August, an increase in outlook driven largely by those holding a high school education or less in a group largely composed of lower earners. Moreover, respondents said credit is hard to come by now. Those reporting that it's more difficult to get credit rose to a serious high of 57.8%, saying that it's either harder or much harder for the New York Fed reported. Also, those expecting to miss a minimum debt payment over the next three months rose 12.2%, a 1.4% percentage point gain. That was the highest reading since May of 2020. The Bureau of Labor Statistics on Tuesday will release the August Consumer Price Index reading. Economic survey by Dow Jones expect CPI to have risen 8% from a year ago. Though they see a decline of 0.1% from July, excluding food and energy, core CPI is projected to rise 6% year over year and 0.3% month over month. So, I mean... If gas prices really are falling, is it because there's more supply out there? Or is it because, I believe, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, we've talked about this in the past podcast, that it's because Joe Biden got rid of some of the federal taxes, I guess it was, that the gas companies, that or not gas companies, that, the, that you had to pay at the pump? It's hard to tell. I mean... Those, uh, I think that federal tax is supposed to be coming back on soon, potentially for the gas stations. And then does that mean gas prices go back up or does that mean that maybe everything's just artificial right now? Or maybe it's because since there is still Russian oil in the market, because we know China's selling the oil, that maybe that's what's causing gas prices to go down. But I think overall it has to deal with the fact that Joe Biden said to get rid of the federal taxes at the gas pump. If I'm not mistaken, listen to our past podcast to be able to hear about that one, I believe. But it's it's just weird to think that, that gas prices are going down and they're celebrating that. I mean, it's good that they're going down, but they're not down to the levels that are, at least in my opinion, acceptable for the American consumer. Because remember, a lot of car companies announced last week that they are planning to start only selling electric vehicles and who can really afford just an all electric vehicle. And ironically, in California, they also said, got to conserve energy, can't plug in your electric vehicle. So we'll find out a little bit more when the market reports the CPI numbers. But I have a feeling that tomorrow the market might be hitting a downward trajectory after those numbers are reported. On the rail industry, which could affect everyone in the future, large railroad labor unions say they will strike if quality of life is not addressed in new contract. From CNBC, two of the largest railroad unions in negotiations with railroad carriers have drawn a line in the sand. They are demanding more quality of life provisions to be put in the contract covering attendance policies, vacations, and sick days, or they will strike. The Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen and the Smart Transportation Division represent half of railroad union workers. Eight out of every 12 unions have reached a tentative agreement with the railroad carriers, according to the National Carriers Conference Committee. They did not negotiate the quality of life provisions. Sources familiar with the negotiations tell CNBC. The unions have what are called Me Too agreements, which means whatever benefits the BLET and the smart unions agree to their contracts with the carriers, other union members receive. Quote, if this contract is presented to our members in its current form, it will not be passed, said the labor spokesman to CNBC. The workers are angry. They want movement on attendance policies and they want to be a, they don't want to be afraid to take sick day or vacation day without the fear of termination. There will be no ratification unless this is addressed. A railroad spokesperson told CNBC that they would 
not comment on ongoing negotiations, but stress the railroads remain in active discussions with the union that have not yet reached tentative agreements and will continue making every effort to reach agreements based on the PEB recommendations. In July, President Joe Biden appointed a presidential emergency board in hopes of averting a strike and making recommendations that railroads and labor unions could agree on. Attendance policies and staffing have been a point of contention over the last two years of this negotiation. More than 700 union workers quit after BNSF, a wholly owned subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway, instituted a points-based attendance system in February. The system was revised in May, but union workers said the modifications did not fix the safety issues called brutal labor sources told CNBC employees would be penalized for taking a day off to go to their parents' funeral. The railroads have contended that the new policy is critical to making sure it has enough workers available for its trains. Rails have faced scrutiny for worsening services from unions, shippers, and regulators. And last thing we'll talk about too, says the quote, the railroad has brought into its labor woes on itself. So the labor inside knowledge of negotiations, they have made steep staffing cuts to appease shareholders and improve their bottom line. Workers are burned out. You have heard from the railroad they're hiring, but they're not retaining talent because of the point system where you are on call for 12 hours a day and you have to be an hour or less away from your job. They are being held sabotage. And last thing we'll read too, last two things, last two paragraphs we'll read. It says, while the rails have been hiring aggressively amid the supply chain struggles, the U.S. Surface Transportation Board has reported the largest freight railroads in the U.S. have reduced their workforce by 29% in the last six years. Around 40% of the nation's long-distance trade is moved by rail, more than any other form of transportation. If the union strike, more than 7,000 trains would be idle, and the rail industry has estimated it would cost the economy up to $2 billion per day. You know, I'm curious to know if this is finally what's going to cause the railroad industry to have to evolve finally. You know, the railroad industry is a very, very old industry. And, and, I, and I obviously, you guys probably understand that fully. But I often wonder how much like new technology has been introduced into the rail system in order to make things a lot easier. Okay. Think about it. Some industries have to evolve to change. Okay. The car industry has gone through what is probably the most changes out of any industry throughout its history since the automobile was made. Railroads, I don't know how much they've changed. We'd have to talk to someone who's in the railroad system, but it's it's an interesting thought to think that there's a chance that because of this strike, it could lead to new innovation for the railroad companies in general, okay? You can only fire so many people before things are just not workable in workable conditions. Maybe you have automated trains eventually be made so you don't need someone behind the wheel of the train. But then in reality, they probably pass some law saying you need someone behind the train, but maybe it just makes the worker's job a little bit easier, at the same time, I often wonder too, with the rails as well, that with new innovation, does that mean they need more workers behind it as well? I don't know. It says here with the American Trucking Association, it says the American Trucking Association wrote a letter to Congress urging action as have several other industry groups representing sectors, including retail and agriculture. And nothing has, not, and noting that a current trucker shortage makes it difficult for the industry to handle more freight. It's true. Trucking industry is at the max capacity, I believe it was currently. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, that $2 billion a day, that's pretty effective. And if 40% of our shipping comes from train, that also means this is going to get really, really scary ahead. 
of what's coming if the strike does happen. And start, and we and we got to pay attention to what's happening in the rails because what happens in the rails is going to really affect the economy. I mean, there already is shortages going on right now. How much worse can it get? It probably can get a lot worse. Okay, and that's a scary thought to think about right there. If if the lifeblood of this economy in the United States is the trucking and railroad industries, and now things are might get worse. So keep an eye out for that, podcast listeners. Onto a little bit more positive news that we do need to talk about with Google. It says Google spins out secret high-speed telecom proje- project called uh, Alaria and keeps stake in startup. Okay, inside Google, a team of techies have been working behind the scenes on software for a high-speed communication network that extends from land to space. Codename Mini Koski with Google. The secret project is being unveiled to the public on Monday as a new spin-out called Alaria. While Google declined to offer uh, details of Alarea, such as how long it's been working on this technology and how many employees are joining the startup, Alarea is a is in the news releases and its mission is to manage hyper-fast, ultra-secure, and highly complex communication networks that span land, sea, air, near space, and deep space. The company says it has a laser communication technology on an exponentially great scale and the speed than anything that exists today. Alarea's software platform has been used in multiple aerospace networking projects for Google. The spin-out comes as Google parent company Alphabet reckons with a slowdown in ad spending and looks to advance or wind down experimental projects. That, that in part means seeking external funding from some other projects that is in, incubated for years. Businesses such as life sciences company Verily and self-driving car maker Waymo have raised money from outside investors, while Alphabet has shuttered initiatives such as um, Makani, which is building power generating kites and internet beaming balloon business loon. Alria has said that it has an 8.7 million commercial contract with the U.S. Defense Initiative Unit. The company will be led by CEO Chris Taylor, a national security expert who has led other companies that have worked with the government. Taylor's LinkedIn profile says that he is the CEO of the company in a stealth mode and that he's the founder in November. Alphabets itself has been pursuing more lucrative government contracts that earlier this year announced Google's public sector, a new new subsidiary geared at U.S. government partnerships, primarily through Google Cloud. Aliria's board of advisors includes several previous Google employees as executives, as well as Vint Kerf, Google's chief internet evangelical evangelicalist who's known as one of the fathers of the web you know it's going to be interesting to see how this goes going forward i mean it's funny that google ceos recently has been like on this like oh we might have to fire people we got to be more productive at work and then they announced this this could be a somewhat game changer for google i mean but at the same time we just reported yesterday too that the aerospace industry just got hit pretty hard so, I mean, government contracts are good for Google because they're able to keep making money right now, but how, for how long in all reality? Eh, probably it'll just keep going because the government will just end up either just printing more money or just taxing the poor taxpayer to death on these projects. But Google has at least found an answer for a little bit. I don't know how much is going to make the CEO currently happy, but it at least gives him something to talk about, I guess, in the next shareholders meeting. 
And hopefully he doesn't use the excuse of like, oh, we're not as productive and we have to come up with new ideas. No, you just announced a new idea. And I hope to hear more from the CEO of Google about it on the next quarter's conference call. But like I said, I kind of doubt he will talk about it. But it's good to see that there's that they're still expanding Google in some way, shape or form and to be able to grow the company. Their ad business is probably going to take a hit because small businesses, they're... they're Google's ads mostly come from small businesses. I mean, don't get me wrong. Big corporations obviously use their Google ads search as well. But in reality, small businesses kind of fuel the life of Google in the end when it comes to advertising. So good for Google for expanding its portfolio a little bit more. Last thing we got to talk about is Goldman Sachs. Goldman's Apple card business has a surprising subprime problem. The weakest American borrowers are starting to miss payments and defaults on their loans. And that is showing up as a surprising place. Goldman Sachs. While the competitors like Bank of America enjoy repayment rates of near record levels, Goldman's loss rate of credit card loans hits 2.93% in the second quarter. That's the worst among U.S. card insiders and well above subprime lenders, according to September 6th note from J.P. Morgan. The profile of Goldman's card customers actually resembles that of an issuers known as Known for their subprime, subprime offerings, more than a quarter of Goldman's card loans have gone to customers with FICO scores below 660, according to the filings. That could expose Bank of higher losses if the economy experiences a downturn, as it expected for many forecasters. Quote, people are losing their jobs, and you had inflation at 40-year highs that will impact the subprime cohort. More because they're living paycheck to paycheck, Michael Tanio, a senior director of Fitch Ratings, said in an interview. With Goldman, the question will be, where they're growing too fast into a late cycle period. The dynamic comes as a sensitive time for CEO David Solomon under pressure to improve the bank's stock price. Goldman's money-losing consumer operations have drawn headlines and their ire of some investors and insiders. The investment bank began to foray into customer finances in 2016 to diversify from additional strengths of Wall Street trading and advisor activities. But the journey has been a bumpy one, marked by leadership turnover and staff departments, missed product deadlines, confusion over branding, a regulatory probe, and mounting losses. Solomon will likely face questions from directors about the consumer business at a, bro- at a board meeting later this week. According to people with knowledge of the matter, there is internal uh, dissent about who Solomon has picked to lead key businesses, and insiders hope he puts stronger managers in place. The people said some feel as Solomon, who moonlights as a DJ on the international festival circuit, has been too extroverted, putting his own personal brand ahead of the banks, the people said. Goldman declined to comment on the article, and Apple didn't immediately return a request for comment. Okay. Last thing we talked about this is a viral hit. Goldman's credit card business, anchored by Apple Cards since 2019, has arguably been the company's biggest success yet in terms of gaining retail land, uh, lending scale. It's the largest contributor to the division's 14 million consumers and 16 billion in loan balances, a figure that Goldman said would nearly double to 30 billion by 2024. But rising losses threatened to, to mar the picture. Lenders deemed bad loans charging offs at, after a customer misses payments for six months. Goldman's 2.39 correction. Goldman's 2.93% net charge off rate is double to uh, doubled the 1.47 rate at J.P. Morgan's card business and higher Bank of America's 1.60%, despite being a fraction of the issuer's size. Goldman's losses are higher than the Capital One, the largest subprime player among big banks, which has a 2.2% charge off rate. Last thing we'll talk about before we get into discussing this a little bit more. 
says the biggest reason is because Goldman's customers have been with the bank for less than two years on average, according to people with knowledge of the business who weren't authorized to speak to the press. Charge-off rates tend to be the highest during the first year as a user has a card. As Goldman's pool of customers ages and uh, struggling users drop out, those losses should calm down, the people said. The bank leans on third-party data provides to company metrics with similar cards in the vintage that is comfortable with its performance, the people said. Other banks tend to be more aggressive in seeking to recover debt, which improves competitors' net charging off figures, the people said. But another factor is that Goldman's biggest credit card product, the Apple Card, is amid at a broad swath of the country, including those with lower credit scores. Earlier in its rollout, some users were stunned to learn that they had been approved for the card despite checked credit histories. Uh, correction, checkered credit histories. You know, I thought that when I first heard about this back in 2019 with Apple, I remember talking about this, not on this podcast, I remember talking this with a friend and I was like, man, it's crazy to think that Apple and Goldman Sachs are teaming up to make a credit card and now Goldman is now in the credit. I mean, it's still a smart move for both Apple and Goldman Sachs because they're going to eventually be able to turn this around and make more money. But at the same token, it seems like Goldman Sachs, like, because... If I remember correctly, it was like the first time that Goldman was offering it, offering their credit card services to the retail investor or retail spender in general. So maybe they need to consider expanding their credit cards to businesses too. I think that's where the money would be made for the most for Apple and Goldman Sachs is to offer more credit to businesses overall. But at the end of the day, Apple's still going to become a bank in some way. Same with Goldman Sachs. But at the same token, it's going to be a hard road for them. And in fact, it's even continuing with how hard things are becoming right now because Goldman Sachs also just announced that they're going to have to lay off people. And I'm not saying their credit card industry is what's getting hit the hardest, but Goldman is struggling right now with not just the credit card side of things either. Says Goldman Sachs to kick off Wall Street layoff season with hundreds of jobs cuts this month. Okay. says Goldman Sachs is planning on cutting several hundred jobs this month, making it the first major Wall Street firm to take steps in steps to rein in expenses amid a collapse in deals volume. The bank is reinstating a traditional of annual employees coals, which have historically targeted between one and five percent of lower performers in positions across the firm. According to a person with direct knowledge of the situation at the lower end of the range, which is the size of expected coal, that means several hundred job cuts at the New York-based firm, which had 47,000 employees at mid-year. Goldman declined to comment on the records about its plans. The timing of the cuts were reported earlier by the New York Times. In July, CNBC first reported that the bank was looking to uh, correction was looking at a return to the annual tradition of year-end job cuts, steep declines in investment banking activities, especially IPOs and junk debt. Is, uh, issuance created the conditions for the first significant layoffs on Wall Street since the pandemic began in 2020, CNBC reported in June. Okay. You know, these layoffs, they're going to start happening a little bit more. And we're probably going to read more articles about these layoffs that are happening because we already, like we've talked about, Google had already announced that they were going to have to potentially lay people off if there wasn't more efficiency within Google. Some real estate companies have already been laying people off a few months back in the beginning of summer months, I believe it was. I think it was June when we talked about that. Looking past podcasts to hear about those type of layoffs. I believe even IBM in the past had said that they were talking about it as well. That was mentioned in a past podcast as well. Layoffs are coming, okay? 
IPOs are not coming out as much right now. Currently, Goldman Sachs is admitting it because there's less IPO IPOs coming out and less people are taking on some type of debt or not debt. What's the wording they used? Uh, where is it? Can't find it in the article, but it says that people are not. Oh, here it is. Junk debt. <laughs> Who takes on junk debt? I don't get that fully. But anyways, the economy is going to be struggling potentially. And granted, probably there is cycles of people being laid off and people being brought on. But I mean, things don't look pretty right now. And I also wonder too, how many layoffs are going to happen if the if the labor strikes happen with the rails as well, because there's not going to be as many things. Well, there will be things still being shipped, but there will be a backlog. Or how many people are going to be burnt out from work because they're having to work extra hours just to keep the economy afloat? It's hard to tell, but we have to be able to keep an eye on this. And of course, Wall Street, it's not really talking about it as much. I don't even know what Wall Street's talking about because... I was too busy reading articles this morning, but it just seems like they're not going to be talking about this stuff anytime soon. So with that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Please like and share this podcast with friends or family as every like and subscription that we get and every share we get can help grow this podcast. We got to get the news out there of what's really happening since Wall Street won't be able to talk about it all the time. And we, we will be able to talk about it on the news as much as we can, at least on this podcast. Please. And if you share with friends or family, they might share with other friends or family to be able to help grow this podcast as well. I do have to give a shout out to those who currently do listen to this podcast. Thank you for helping grow this podcast as much as you can by listening when you can. I know you could be listening to a hundred other podcasts, but it's good to know that some of you are out there who are listening to this podcast currently. With that being said, thank you fellow podcast listeners at this time. Thank you and goodbye.